Amen. That's what we need is more of Jesus. We get a couple of men to come forward. We'll receive the morning offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so glad to be in your house this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love and grace and, Father, the many blessings in our life. And Father, we do need you more and more. We need to know more about Jesus. And We just pray, Father, that you would be with us this morning. You would be with our teachers this morning as they stand before their classes. And pray, Father, that you would just uh, bless the services according to your will. May everything that's said and done bring you honor and glory. Pray, Father, you would be with those on our prayer list that you would, Father, you would lift up the sick. Pray, Father, that you would comfort those that need comforted. Pray, Father, that you would uh, go with this offering now. May it be used for your honor and glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. for that. Miss Martha, I appreciate it. Good morning, folks. Welcome back. My, um, my wife, as we were coming in here this morning, she says uh, she used a word that, that I find kind of humorous, but I totally understand the meaning of it. She says, I kind of feel a little disheveled this morning. And, and that's the way I feel. We got out of the house late. Nothing went right. Actually, nothing's gone right for the past three days for us. Um, she has been out of town, so I've been a bachelor, dealing with five dogs at one time. And, uh, yeah, it's a, just a giant mess. Anyways, <laughs> I, um, I do. I appreciate you, yeah. I'm like, I don't have an arm when you're not around. So I do love you. Still, still do for 30, how many years it's been now? 31 years we've been married. Anyway, um, so Gary, I need some advice from you, just very briefly, all right? When, when we're singing the songs, okay, I always, have my, I always have my hymnal open. I know we're supposed to use the thing and all, but, but I have that hymnal open in case the words don't show up. Sometimes they're a little bit behind, so I like to have it right there at my fingertips, right? And so now to, here's what I need advice on. So the hymnal takes care of it if the words don't show up. What do I do when the song leader messes up? You just keep on singing. You just keep singing. Okay. So, so right now while we were singing that song and you started off on it. <laughs> it'll finally get back on track, huh? Okay. Yeah, I was looking at that going, I must be going nuts because I'm not, those are the right words, but he's singing something different and it doesn't sound like anybody else is singing the right thing either. So anyway, the advice is just 
Sing on. What's that now? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. But actually, I did mean to put you on the spot. I thought I'm going to have great fun with this when I go up there and and bother him about that just a little bit. Anyway, pay attention to the words on the thing. Disregard the song leader. You, you, yeah. Don't pay any attention. I tried song leading one time here, and it was a disaster, so I, I totally get it. I yes, usually, sir? I usually tell the pianist, you know, when I mess up, you're supposed to follow me. You know? Yeah. That's what, now. <laughs> I, that's what I've heard. That, that Miss Martha, I think you do a great job at all that and everything, but somebody told me one time that the, the lady playing the piano has got to be the person that kind of keeps the whole thing on track if it's, uh, I think that was Joyce Witzke told me that. They've got to keep the thing on track if the guy's singing or whatever, and that, that's particularly important when, when it's a solo, when, when somebody's doing oh, yeah. it, that the piano player can, yeah. can kind of move the thing along in the right direction. So. <laughs> Anyway, enough about that. How are you, how'd y'all do this week at witnessing, talking? Anybody got any cool stories about anything this week? Yes, ma'am. I got pulled over for speeding and they failed to get out of track. Oh, really? You did, okay, tell us about the speeding ticket. Yeah, you forgot to tell me about that part. What about the speeding ticket, honey? Huh? No, no, I know all about the... They, they, have, pl they have places where it goes from 70 to 55 to... 30 or something, and she was, what were you doing, 70 through the 30 mile an hour zone? Yeah. No, that, that happens even to the best of us, right? But he was very happy to it and said he Oh, okay, good. So because you broke a law, somebody might come to know. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's a lot different price than Jesus paid. For, for, for certain, right? So anyway, um, that speeding ticket will be coming out of your allowance, by the way, and, and that's a public announcement there on that. <laughs> Wally, I didn't hear anything about what we were supposed to do Saturday morning. I heard I was gonna get a briefing at 9 a.m. to go see these, remember we talked about seeing these, and I never heard another word out of it, no, so nobody did. We'll get around to seeing them, maybe sometime. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. I never found out anything from these people about what we're doing, except other than maybe we might see them this week. Is that right? Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I probably should have just called you up and said, "Hey, dude, we're we're off here." Uh, we're, all right. Well, anybody else get any speeding tickets or anything here this past week? Yes, Steve. Oh, praise God. Yep. So that's probably pretty easy for an ex-pastor to to do that kind of stuff, right? So we just all, just get, just get out there and, and do this junk, man. It's, uh, it opens up a lot of interesting avenues for you, that's, that's for sure. Um, how about any praise reports? Uh, sounded like we had, did, were you, are, is everybody on that prayer chain thing where you get it? Janie was sending out about her little, what was that, her great-granddaughter, Emily? 
fell off a horse or some kind of thing. So, yeah. so that was a bunch of prayer requests. And then finally this morning, a praise report. It sounded like she went through the surgery okay and all that yeah. stuff. So that was good to, to see. Anybody else have anything they'd like to bring up? Oh, good. Right at midnight. Okay. Praise God. How old is that grandma? She is seven. Seven years old. Yeah. She'll come around. The Holy Spirit will, will guide her in the, in the direction. Yes. Very cool. How about anybody else? You already had your turn. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Okay. All right. We had my daughter on the prayer list. She had, they found a lump in one of her, which I don't know which, I don't guess it makes any difference which breast it was, really does it. But anyway, it turned out it was just a cyst or something there. So praise, praise God for that. All right. Anybody have any uh, other prayer requests then that maybe we'd like to pray about? Nope. All is, all is right with the world. We have a short week this week. It's uh, Thanksgiving. Tuesday night, we have a dinner here at church, right? That's the, that's the thing. And uh, I'm not sure what, uh, how many people have signed up, but it looked like the list was pretty, was pretty long out there now. So that'll be on Tuesday night, and then we'll be, we'll be out of doing anything here with the church until the following Sunday. So hopefully everybody will have a nice time with their family and plans and, and what have you. All kinds of great witnessing opportunities this time of year out there. Everybody, everybody knows about Jesus right now because, uh, I mean, even people that don't care anything about this at Christmas time and during this holiday season um, will be happy to hear you say something to them. There, it's, it's very unlikely, unless you really come across a Grinch, that you're going to get any negative feedback from anybody about doing anything right now. So it's a good, good kind of practice area here on, on this thing. So... Anyway, without further ado, then we'll have a word of prayer here and get started. Father, we thank you for the time that you've set aside here this morning. We'd ask that you be with all the classes and all the uh, students this morning as we go through the Sunday school hour. And then, Father, be with me as I speak here this morning. Help us to have a, uh, a good time in your word this morning. We love you and praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So last week when we were finishing up there, I had just told you about this, about we were kind of running through give you a little idea where we were at last week. We had just got done reading that story about the, about the business meeting at the church, right, where the, where the old man in the, in the business meeting got called out of order because he was actually talking about witnessing to a young man who had accepted Christ. But um, really the moderator, he wanted to get on with the rest of the business meeting and called him out of order. And then remember what the man's statement was at the end. He said, sir... If sharing the gospel is not the business of this church, then I suggest the church goes out of business, right? Because our church, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We have this commission from God. We have a responsibility from God to tell people about uh, what, we're, what we're all about here and what Jesus did for us and, and what have you. So as we get on with the, with the uh, lesson here this morning, 
What, what we're going to start venturing into here is how do you go about sharing the gospel with ease? How, how can you just have a good posture and have a good uh, uh, peace about telling people about Jesus? And again, it doesn't have to be any big, long, drawn-out thing, um, but, but at, least, at least you ought to try. And it can, be, it can almost be an anonymity. You, you might not even have to tell the person who you are or anything. E- even though it sounded like the, the story Gary was telling about the guy, he was kind of aggravated that he didn't introduce himself and all that stuff. But there's no, you're not under any obligation to, to do that. So he, he, hopefully everybody's got uh, the sheet there for filling the blank sheet for lesson number one there. And the first thing here is, is uh, why do we fail to share the gospel? And so there's, there's some reasons why we fail to do it. First and foremost, yes, uh-huh. That actually goes back to last Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, okay, so that's the, and, and, but does everybody have the one, uh, does everybody have lesson one sheet? Okay, Esther, you have it, it looks like. Right, are you the only one that has it? All right, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so why do we fail to share the gospel? Then the next, the next blank here is, are we afraid we lack the ability? So that ability is the, the one you're going to fill in there. And so let's just talk about that for just a little bit. How much ability do you have to have to actually share the, the gospel? Well, I mentioned here a while back that even if you, even if you don't feel like you have any kind of uh, big speech that you can give to somebody... If sometimes if you just tell somebody about your testimony, what Jesus has done for you in his life, or what maybe being a member of the church has done for you, all of those kind of things that ought to, that ought to be pretty natural for you to be able to tell that to somebody, uh, that might be ability enough. There's, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that go through life with problems in their life that they still do things that I can't do without the problems. I, you know, you go out there and you look at these, um, you'll see a video or something. Here's some little, little girl was the one I seen, born with no arms, right? So she uses her feet and stuff to do every, they, they have a video of this girl using her feet to peel an apple, you know? <laughs> I can barely do that with my hands, let alone with that. So there's abilities. You can, you can, you know, get involved with this sort of stuff by just adapting what you have there. And then... Um, uh, the next thing here, uh, another reason why we might not be able to do this is, do we think it's someone else's responsibility? Well, we've talked on several occasions now about the fact that it's all of our responsibility to share the gospel. But there are some things that might allow a person to say, hey, you know what, that's somebody else's job to, to deal with that. Um, Here's, here's the next one here, and we're going to talk about all these a little, little bit more as we get into the lesson here. Um, here. Here was a big one for me in my life when it came to, to sharing the gospel, trying to lead people to Christ and whatever. Do we forget that it's God's job to actually save the person? So once we get the seed out there, it's all in God's hands then. You don't have to say another word to this person. You don't have to preach to it. You don't have to do anything to this person. Once they get the salient point of Jesus Christ died for you on that cross, he rose from the dead three days later, 
this was all for the atonement of your sins, and if you believe that by faith, you'll be saved. You'll go to heaven when you, when you die. When this life is over, you get to go to heaven. Boy, I'll tell you what, I used to come up with all kinds of stuff to, to try to save people. But you know what? It's not our job to save. Somebody told me that. You know, Jeff, it's not any of your business. After you go through and you, and you preach, you know, tell somebody about Jesus, then just give it, give it over to God. I know that's what had to happen in our lives. We've had all kinds of people telling us about Jesus, and it wasn't until the Holy Spirit, so God, worked in our life that got us to move off a dead center, and, uh, and uh, Patty and I got saved. Are we trying to witness in our own strength and power? That right there is another, just a gigantic mistake that, uh, that can get made when you're out here witnessing. I think, the, um, I think the Apostle Paul wrote somewhere, and I'm going to even speak about this a little bit later on in this lesson. I'm terrible about this chapter, verse, you know, here it was in this book, here it was. Um, I, but but I, know, I know what the thing s says, and it says, look, we're telling people not in the excellency of our words, but in the power of the scripture. That's what you have to, that's what you have to rely on. So is there some memorization? Is there some things there that you have to look into as you get further along and you're witnessing to somebody? Well, again, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So lesson number one here, why are we uneasy about this? Why are we uneasy? And uneasy is another one of your fill-in-the-blank things there. There was a story in this book here on page 29, which I am going to read to you here in a minute. But it's about this, about the author of the book, and he was about 20 years old, a little over 20, maybe in his, you know, early to mid-20s, had never ever witnessed to anybody in his entire life. And this little story in the thing was about his failure when he finally got around to witnessing to this person, but it had a very happy conclusion. And it was a thing here in this story that was a guy who just, Oh, was, was just ripe for the harvest, just ready to get ready to understand it and, and what have you. So never uttered a word to anybody about Christ. There was this guy named Jim came along. He knew somebody had to tell Jim about Jesus, and it turned out it was him. He got convicted that he was going to tell Jim all about it. Uh, ask if he could come over. It, the, the answer was, yeah, you can come over. And, and this guy talks about in this story that he, was, he didn't want to hear that he could come over. You, some, sometimes when you ask somebody if you want to know about Christ, you're happier if they say no because you don't, you don't want to get involved in the conversation with them. All right? it, it's just a fact. This is just, this is just how this stuff works. All right? um, it's like somebody asking you if you want to talk about politics. <laughs> you want to talk about your salary that you make at your job and you're working at the same time? Nobody wants to talk about those things. And sometimes it's the same thing when you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus. So anyway, we went through here and, we, and, and we'll, we'll go through and we'll read this story here in just a second. This guy, the way he started off here in this thing, and he, he says he couldn't believe it. He walked into this guy, welcomed into this guy's house or what have you. And the first thing he says to him was kind of, Jim, you don't want to go to hell, do you? 
Well, that's not, really the that's not really the greatest thing to say to somebody. You know, we're supposed to tell people this stuff in loving kindness, and maybe there's a certain argument, or maybe you can, you can come up with some logic, appeal in the logic that that is loving kindness, asking somebody, hey, listen, you don't want to go to hell. You hear stories about people, people will, will get mad at somebody, and they'll say, you go to hell. Like that is a cussing, you know, and that's a terrible thing to say to somebody, really, when you think about what the, what the consequence of that is and what the Bible describes that as being like and everything. Matter of fact, my, my buddy wrote a little essay that he sits around and writes, and, and the title of his essay was, Don't Tell Somebody to Go to Hell. As a matter of fact, tell them to go to heaven. That's what we want to, that's the point about all this stuff here. Uh, loving kindness, talking like that, can you mess the thing up? Maybe, maybe you can, but the real answer to that question is no, you can't mess up as long as you're telling somebody about God's word. The Bible says God's word will never return void. There is going to be something that is going to happen with that, with that word. One of two things, they'll either accept it or they'll reject it to, to, their, to, their, uh, to their consequence in both cases. A great consequence on one hand and a not so good one on the other, on the other hand. And so let's look at this. Let's look at this story here. See if, you can, see if you can picture anybody you know in this story. Might even be you. Might be me. You never know. But let's just, let's just look at this. It says, the title of, the, of this little section in this chapter is, Do You Really Believe? And there's going to be some stuff that's going to come out of this story that we're going to discuss here. One of them might really, really, really touch a nerve here, but we'll, we're going to go through it anyway. By all external measures, Mike was a good church member. He hardly missed a worship service. He was in our community group and attended every week. That sounds like a pretty good church-going guy there, doesn't it? At the time I spoke with him, he had served on the church's welcome team for three years. I was dean of a seminary and was serving the church as an interim pastor. That meant I preached every Sunday and met with the staff once a week. I was preaching through the book of Acts, and because Acts has so many clear examples of sharing the gospel, and we'll talk about those things here in a little bit, I was able to bring up the topic of personal evangelism on several occasions. I guess it became my theme as I covered the book chapter by chapter. It was in that context that Mike asked me to meet with him. Boy, I guess if you're a pastor of a church, you don't want one of your members to knock on you. Hey, can you have a conversation with me? I look forward to our, me our meal together. Mike was a positive guy. He seemed really good for the church, and he was a vocal supporter of mine. I never would have expected the conversation we were about to have. I could tell something was different about Mike as soon as we sat down at the restaurant. He wasn't his usual jovial self. He seemed subdued and introspective. Though I don't remember the conversation with precision, it went something like this. So, what's up, Mike? Stirring his salad nervously with his fork. We've all been there in conversations, right? You don't know exactly how to get the thing moving. Mike replied, I'm struggling with your sermons, Tom. Here we go, I thought. Mike wasn't the first person, not, not, and, and nor would be the last, to have a problem with my preaching. But I, had, I never expected him to be one of my critics. Tell me your problem, I responded. I wasn't sure I really wanted to hear, but I had to ask. 
Mike paused carefully and thoughtfully before beginning to speak. You're talking a lot about evangelism, he said. I nodded. In fact, you are talking a lot about our responsibility to share the gospel. Again, I nodded. Then he dropped the bomb. Tom, he said with some difficulty, I don't think I can do personal evangelism because I don't believe in it. Hmm. He knew I was stunned in waiting for his next sentence. How can I feel an urgency to tell people about Christ if I have my own doubts that he is the only way of salvation? Man. Yeah, that's, a, that's when you're, this guy's been in the church for a good while, he's a greeter, he's doing this, that, and the other thing, and now he's got some problem with the whole aspect of a fundamental, like the main part of our doctrine, what we believe in. Now, I'm pretty certain there's nobody in this room that would have this same problem. But listen, you never know. You have no idea what goes on in people's minds about these, these sort of things. They have a name for this. They have a, you know, they have text about it. Wow, this lunch was not going, to, going as planned. I tried to maintain some semblance of composure, but I wasn't doing a very good job. He had hit a nerve. Mike, I said with measured intensity, Jesus himself said he was the only way of salvation. Mike looked at me blankly. Remember how Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Mike, either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's a liar or a lunatic. Now, I've heard, I've heard that argument before. I've heard that, you know, people saying that. And, and here's where it came from. I was paraphrasing an argument put forth by C.S. Lewis in a book titled Mere Christianity. All right. Again, Mike just looked at me. He knew the biblical argument. He just didn't believe it. So here you are looking at, looking at something where, where, yeah, you might believe 95% of the gospel, but what, what causes you not to believe the 5% of the gospel there that's very, very important to what, we're, to what we're doing? You know, this guy, he might have been one of these guys that believed every word in the book of Genesis or something, but when it came to Jesus saying, I'm the only way that you get to heaven, this fellow didn't want to, he didn't want to believe that, all right? I just didn't believe it. I knew I was crossing a line when I questioned Mike's salvation, but how can we really say we have accepted Jesus if we don't accept who he says he is? All right. So Mike did not flinch. He was smart. He was already asking himself the same question. Though the conversation was grueling, it was, intent in, it was indeed enlightening. So much of our contemporary culture wants us to think God is a good, uh, that Jesus is a good man and a noble prophet, but they don't want to accept him as the Lord of creation and the only way of salvation. So here's where the thing goes next. It says this. He just asks this question. Do you believe this? Do you really honestly believe this? The precise name of the doctrine that offends people is exclusivity. It is the belief that Jesus is not a way of salvation. He is the way of salvation. That's what we have to, that's what we have to believe. We have to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. He has got to, he has got to uh, uh, be our rock. He's got to be our savior. He's got to be the Lord of our life. And if we really believe that, then we ought to be excited about that. And we ought to be able to tell people about it, uh, about it pretty, pretty easily. All right. Okay. 
let's uh, get on with this here. So why are we uneasy? Story about the author, talked about this opening line, all this. Uh, I had a first time that I witnessed to somebody too. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting. I was, with my, I was with my mentor up in, in Ohio, and uh, basically as I start leading this person to Christ, my mentor said, Jeff, I need to take over here. <laughs> he kind of ran me out of the equation there just a little bit. And, um, and so that was, uh, you, you, you learn about it. You have to go through and kind of get started off on these things. And you learn with the, with the experience of it here. So anyway, let's see here. All right. We can't let our inhibitions interfere with our ability to witness. You might be shy. I got my notes here. I'm shy for the most part. When I'm, in a, when I'm in a group of people, I'm not really that prone to actually start telling people all about different things. I, I have a hard time warming up to people. We were at a thing here a few weekends ago now, a couple of weekends ago now, where we, they purposely sat us at a, at a table with five or six different people that we'd never met, and the whole idea behind it was to get to know the people that you were, that you were dealing with there, right? And so, um, uh, that was hard. By the time we got done with that whole conversation, I had uh, made a new friend in the Lord down there. And as a matter of fact, we're going over to, that, uh, to meet with that man and his wife today between services to have uh, a lunch with them and get to know them a little bit better. They're from Drake and Alley's church down there in, in Joshua. That's where we were at on this thing. And uh, it's pretty cool. This guy is interested in the discipleship program that we have here. So I'm going to go down and, and tell him all about that. So we can't let our, our inhibitions interfere with our ability to witness. All right, uh, you may be uneasy about your you may be uneasy about your knowledge level here, and here's what I kind of wrote about this. We all have knowledge level concerns, um, and I just I just mentioned a little bit ago. I'm deficient in about every area of the Bible and Scripture when it comes to citing by memory chapter and verse about these things. But listen, I I tend to use that. I'm terrible at memorizing stuff. One of the things in my profession is we have, they'll hand you this book and basically you have to memorize the book, all the emergency procedures, the limitations on the airplanes that I fly. And I can never, I never do that right. I, I have to like 10 minutes before I go into the test. I have to just look at all that stuff and, and do it. So I have the same problem with some of the scripture. I might know what the scripture says, even verbatim, but I couldn't tell you exactly where you, where you find it at in the, uh, in the Bible. I mentioned here in my notes also, I use that to my advantage in that the conversation can be really sincere and personal if it's more than just quoting scripture. You know, you can sit around with somebody and, and talk to them about all kinds of different things without exactly pinpointing the exact word. Sometimes you can even lead somebody to Christ like that if the Holy Spirit guides you in exactly how you're going to paraphrase or how you're going to... But the thing to keep in mind is there has to be some point where the scripture has to be presented to the person either word for word by you just telling it or better than that, reading right out of the Bible what it, uh, what it says. At some point, you've got to let the scripture do, do the, because that's where the power is at. You know? um, God's word, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that's what we kind of got to operate on here. So when you're just sitting around talking with somebody, you know, in this case here, in my example, I say here, there's a huge difference in saying, look, dude, we're just a bunch of trash in God's eyes. 
he doesn't have any use for any of us, all right? We all deserve to burn in hell, man. Telling people that kind of stuff when you're sitting around the water faucet or whatever, you know, talking about these things. That's a whole different thing to get a conversation started than this right here. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you read that verse to somebody in the context that it's set out there, the Holy Spirit will do something with that. The other one was my words. That might be God's word, though, when you read it or you tell somebody these things verbatim. That's why it's important to get it out there. It will not return void. All right. Satan, this is another underlined thing here, Satan will exploit our weaknesses. At every opportunity, something will happen in an effort to keep you from sharing the gospel. All right? Um, I could tell you story after story after story about stuff. Just, just recently with my mother and sister, mother-in-law and sister-in-law up there in New York, Satan just set the thing up. There's something came up, couldn't get the gospel out to him. But I'll never forget this story. We were called out to go to see a man that was basically on his deathbed. The fam is Catholic, Catholic family. The, uh, uh, one of the members in the, in the family, though, was a born-again believer, and they had called out the Cleveland Baptist Church to ask if somebody could come over and minister to, I think it was her grandfather there, because she knew that he did not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he was coherent enough that he might be able to get some talking done, but, you know, could somebody please go out there to see this guy? And we came over, and when, when we walked into the room where this guy was on hospice over at his house, we walked into the room where this guy was at, and, and it just looked like there's no way this guy is, if he lives for another 10 minutes, it'll be surprising to me, you know. So anyway, um, I was with Brother Witzke, and we started going through and talking to this man, and there was some, you know, he could understand a little bit. Bruce started to witness and was just about getting ready to, to say a prayer with this guy or lead him in some kind of prayer. And in walks, now I don't know that this was this guy's actual name, but I, I think it was like Father Flanagan. It was some big Irish priest guy comes in there, all chucking and, you know, chuckling and, and living it up and talking to the folks. Oh, we're so happy you came over here, Father, because they have to do some, like, last rites or something, as I recall. They sprinkle them with some water and say some prayers over them and all this kind of stuff. There's not anything, though, in any of that that does a, a uh, causes a person to actually have a relationship with God. It's some man praying over some fellow that's just about ready to die, and that is what's going to atone for him to get into heaven, at least is what, how they look at this thing. It's a very sad set of circumstances. So anyway, this guy went on. And he's talking about all this junk that he's going to do. And he gets around to now where he's going to bless the, the, the person with this holy water, right? And then do the last rites prayer. Well, he reaches into his thing and he, uh-oh, I, I don't have my holy water with me. Left it at the rectory or left it in his car or left it somewhere. Didn't have it with him. And... There was this stunned silence comes over the room there, and, you know, now what do we do? We don't have the equipment we're supposed to have to get this guy into heaven like we're supposed to. This guy, as God is my witness, here's what he says. 
do you guys just have any regular old water or do you have some seltzer water or something like that? We can just use that because he won't know the difference anyway. Me and we just looked at each other. We could not believe what we just heard there in this. All right, Satan. We left that room. We never got to pray with the man. We left that room that day and just said, boy, Satan just destroyed. He, he took that guy with him to hell. There's no question in my mind about that. What happened there that day, that it was the devil himself got in there to wreck that man coming to know Christ as his Savior on his deathbed. And so, um, you know, Satan will do anything. Anything he can do to keep us from sharing the gospel, that's his main mission in, in life here. Sharing the gospel when you are really uneasy about it is just demonstrating our obedience to God. Right? And that, that obedience right there, that may not be an underlined one right now, but it will be a little later on down in the lesson here. All right, so what can we do to help ourselves with the tension here? Here's where the book starts getting into these disciplines that we have to, that we have to follow. And maybe, maybe you guys do all of these different, all of these different things here. But here's some, here's some disciplines. We need to practice reading God's word. If you're going to be a good witness to people, you've got to have the power of God's hand on your, on, on your life. All right? We need to practice prayer and fasting. Remember those boys one day, they couldn't get the, they couldn't get the demon out of that person, and they, and Jesus, but Jesus got the demon out right away. And then uh, they came around and said, hey, what about, how come we couldn't get that demon out? And Jesus says, some of these things only work out by prayer and fasting. The only way you can get them out sometimes is by prayer, prayer and fasting. So sometimes if you've got somebody you've been praying for, you've been witnessing to maybe a couple of times, a person that you run into, co-worker, somebody in your family, something like that, you might just spend, a, you might just spend an afternoon in prayer and do an eight-hour fast or something just concerning that person. It will set your attention on that person. It will also help you to pray to God and ask him to save this particular. In so prayer and fasting. We need to gather with fellow believers. Man, I'll tell you what, sitting in a, sitting in a class like this where you've got other people that share their, their witnessing stories and will encourage you and be somebody that you can be around to ask advice of or maybe go out and witness, and we'll, we're going to get to do that a little later on down the road. Um, but gathering with fellow believers. Forsake not the assembling yourself together as a manner of some is. You know, as it gets closer and closer, the more we should be doing that. All of these things are just showing, here, here's, where, here's where you should put in that underline. All of these things are showing we should be obedient to Christ. Evangelism, then next here, is a spiritual discipline. The way you get better at it is to do it more regularly Practice makes perfect, right? We've all heard that. If you want to be the pro batter in your baseball team, you're on there, you go and you stay in the batting cage for six or seven hours a day and, and hit the baseball. That's how you learn how to do things. And it's the same thing with witnessing. The more you do it, the more tracks you hand out, the more you talk to people about Jesus, the more you pray with somebody, even if it's strangers, even if it's somebody out in public and you just see that somebody really needs an arm put around, pray. you do that a few times, folks, and it, get, it actually gets to just be a very natural thing to do it. We are in a natural spiritual state here. 
This is, we, we have this body, this old body of flesh that we have that's got all of its aches and pains and trouble, but we actually are a spiritual being that has a fleshy body that we stay in, right? And when you start looking at things along those lines and you actually want to administer and, and have a relationship with another human being because you actually have compassion on that person, then these, these things get to be pretty easy to, uh, to do. All right. And let's see here. Do you really believe? Oh, okay, so I read our story out of, I read our story, they're out of order. I'm supposed to be telling you the story about Mike right now. Oops, my mistake, too much paperwork up here. You knew that, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, so you already know the story all about Mike. I'll go back and tell you the story about the other, about the other guy. Um, do you really believe what you're telling people? That's one of the underlines here, story about Mike. We talked about that doctrine of exclu exclusivity. That's the thing that's very offensive to people we talked about there. And um, yeah, so here on some more underlines, and I'll just get to them real quick here, and then I'll straighten all this out next week. Why should we plead with others to accept Jesus if he's not really the only way of salvation? That's a really good question there. If you don't believe that, then you're not really motivated to actually tell people about Jesus and tell them, here's what you, here's what you actually have to, to do. This is the way to heaven. Simply stated, bad theology kills evangelism. If you've got a bunch of bad doctrine in your life and you don't know exactly what you believe, and everybody in here ought to know what we believe. We, we just went through a years-long bunch of stuff about the, the doctrine of our church, what it is to be a Baptist, why we believe what we believe and what have you. So you come in here and you, uh, uh, if you've got any bad evangelism, like this guy just didn't believe that Jesus was really the, the, the only way. And there's lots of people that, that are like that. People will tell you, well, I've heard a, I've heard a, um, a person describe it like this. There's a big mountain here, right? And God is at the top of the mountain, but there's all kinds of different paths up that mountain to get to God. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm the path that you get to God through. All the other ones are excluded. They don't go anywhere. They're, they're, they're dead. And that's where, you, that's where you'll be. You'll be dead in your trespasses and sins if, if you operate like that. All right. So we're going to stop there now that I've really totally got the whole lesson fouled up. We'll resume back a page and a half ago next week when we get started because we're just, we're just about out of time here. So, All right, any questions, comments, concerns? Tomatoes to throw at me this morning? All right. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us here. We'd ask that you'd be with the preacher this morning as he brings us the word. We love you and praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Alrighty, thank you folks.